Hi guys, welcome back to the Nevermind Poly podcast. My name is Matt, I'm your host, and we chat to rock and metal bands from around the world. How are you doing? How are you living? I hope you're all doing well wherever you are listening or watching the podcast. We appreciate you for checking out the show. My guest this time around is the excellent Nick of the band Job for a Cowboy. I am I've just recorded the interview. And I am so stoked on how this turned out, genuinely. Um, this is my favourite interview I've done of 2024. Um, Nick is an absolute legend. Job for a Cowboy are a band who I've followed since 2010. And I've been waiting for 10 years for this record to come out. And it doesn't disappoint. The fact I got to do this interview was nothing short of a miracle and amazing and i'm so, so grateful to uh to the lovely andy for setting this one up for us um this is a special interview this is a special conversation um we talk for just a shy of an hour uh, it absolutely flies by and it's just it's a wonderful wonderful chat they have a brand new record out it's called moon healer it's out on the 23rd of february so it was out last friday if you listen to this on day of release um i i'm so gassed for you to hear it so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna shut up and let you guys listen to my conversation with job for a cowboy um i'd like to thank you all for the support so much because i get to have awesome conversations like this with bands who i genuinely have loved for years so thank you so much and um we'll see you on the other side peace lovely lovely cool hi guys welcome back to the nevermind poly podcast my name is matt i'm your host and we chat to rock and metal bands from around the world and it's my absolute pleasure to bring you a band who i have followed the trajectory of for a long time i'm talking 2010 i think it was the fourth band i ever saw live and they blew my fucking mind so wow. it's with the absolute pleasure to bring this interview i'm sat down with nick of a job for a cowboy how the fuck are we doing sir how's things super good man really grateful um you know finally getting this uh record that's taken us so long to finish uh out you know i think we're shit i guess that's eight days away mm -hmm. that's crazy eight days yeah absolutely. awesome mental man mental yeah it's been a long journey you know everybody's you know went away forever and and became dads and doctors and computer science degrees and you know court stenographers and all kinds of stuff everybody did um but yeah we we've slowly we're chipping away at this at this record and here we are at the precipice of it and i'm just grateful to be talking to you man love that i love that so as as we as you've just beautifully described you have a brand new record out it is the first record in what will be 10 years this year 2024 um it's called moon healer it's out on the 23rd of february as everyone listens to this podcast and watches it it will be out everywhere i've been sent a uh, press copy of it and you know what it's a there's, there's lots of stuff that comes with press right from a band's perspective but also from my perspective but one of the really rare joys is when i get an album drop in my inbox from a band i genuinely fucking love and when that yeah, came cool. through it I was just like well cancel all my fucking plans for today because this is what i'm doing um it's fucking that's wonderful. awesome to hear man it's absolutely wonderful my first kind of question as you sort of maybe maybe alluded to 
is eight days before the record goes out as we're having this conversation what is the kind of mood like in camp for you personally for the rest of the band how, how is it all feeling really good um you know i think at this point you know there was a lot of um just a lot of work to get to this point you know and so many times throughout the recording process throughout the writing process um and even back towards you know um the 2016 world tour that we did where i was just like this isn't gonna happen you mm -hmm. know um and that was that that was a a tough feeling especially for all the work that we had put into this record and it kept being like it's not you know it, it maybe it was a little bit of like doom saying or whatever but it just like there was always another thing to push it back another six months always another thing you know and then they fucking locked us down for fucking you know a couple of years right when it was like oh, finally we're gonna fucking get this out and do it it's like no 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 you're not um so it, it felt like a a really like arduous birthing process that we are now like finally like okay this baby's getting delivered you Absolutely. know and so just grateful for that and uh you know almost maybe a little bit pre-nostalgic mm. you know for like i guess looking back on this as a as a past release mm -hmm. you know like you know that like as I, like i i said kind of recently uh last week when i was doing them and i'm like i'm i'm towards the end of my uh press you know uh interviews for the uh for the record you know yeah and then like and e with each one i'm like oh shit you know with each passing day i'm like oh shit now it's eight days now seven um and so it's kind of like this like oh man this was like not just a two-year album cycle mm -hmm. um this was this was such a long period of our lives that it's almost a little bit it just kind of makes you think a little bit like you know i was in my uh early 30s when we started writing this record for sure <laughs> yeah. for sure i'm 41 now so what the fuck so it just kind of makes you just kind of look back and be like wow this was a major portion of our lives that went into this record and it's sort of like it's it's beautiful to have it finally coming out obviously mm -hmm. um but it, there's this, this tiny bit of like oh okay now we, we finally are going to be crossing that bridge of like this was something that is you know never going to come out mm -hmm. there's always an, an obstacle and then like to finally getting a release date about a year ago almost mm -hmm. from metal blade that okay it's going to be february 24 to then like you know oh we're playing live you know to then like the, in uh in september at blue ridge to like oh okay to then the videos and working on the videos and so now finally like i'm like oh shit it's you know less than a week until the record is Oh, we put that, you know, back in 2024, we put that record out, you yeah. know, because like time just moves so fast now that so a little bit of that feeling. But overall, the mood is great. And all of us are just super, super stoked to get this out there and get um, gets to get the fans who've been waiting for something for so damn long to give them their full meal, mm -hmm. you know absolutely and the the again I, i've never been in a band i've never done anything like that but what i have done it is is four years worth of podcasting and three of those have been uh, interviews with with like, people like yourself and i'm nice. quite lucky in that respect because i'm having this conversation today it will be edited this evening uploaded and then it will go out short i think it's going out on the monday rather than so the album comes out on the friday it's going out on the monday um oh cool so it isn't too much of a long wait but sometimes I've recorded like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I done an interview um, with, a, with, a, with a band and that's not coming out to the end of March, which isn't right. that long. But at the same time, it was a great interview. And I want to be like, 
I can shout about yeah. it because the album's kind of out, but it's not going to be contextualized for anybody else until they actually hear hear the album, hear the interview, and it all makes sense. But it's right. one of those things. Ten, ten years is, is a long, long time to kind of yeah. have something worked on and chipping away, at it, as you put it. I, I, I love it. And on behalf of um, uh, one, one job for a Cowboy fan, I'm thankful for it because, yeah, yeah that, you, your, your band has been very, very formative uh, to me growing up. And when I kind of, so I, I want to get into this with you as well. So I'll just to give you a brief kind of overlay. So my kind of introduction sure. into into kind of rock and metal and things like that, I love finding out how quickly you fall off the cliff into the depths, right? So I, I sort of went Green Day, Bullet for Valentine, I think, and I'm pretty, like I say, it was the fourth gig. So I saw um, Dragon Force was my opening gig, Bring Me the Horizon, oh, cool. Trivium, and then it was you guys. So it was, it was, I think it was pre you joining the band. So it was Job for a Cowboy, Whitechapel, sure. Annotations of an Autopsy. And I actually had to have the ticket for it. And it was kind of like, man, that was a good, like, that was, like I say, that was 2010. So it's such a mad kind of full circle moment that I get to. So do you see, did you, was, was there a band on that tour called um, Cry for Silence? Not in the UK ones, I don't believe. No. Okay, gotcha. All right, there must have been a, a previous tour back in like '07 or something, '06 mm-hmm. or '07. But there was a, there um, Alessandro Venturelli, the bass player for Slipknot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was his his band in the UK. Oh, amazing! It was called Cry for Cry for Silence, and and um, they were on a job for a cowboy tour, like way oh, way back before I was in the band. So. I thought that might have been the tour that they were on, but no, well, it may well have been. My my memory is not what it used to be. <laughs> yeah, most most human memory is pretty shit. You know, they say that it's like eyewitness testimony. You know, DNA overturns eyewitness testimony such a high percentage of the time. Mm-hmm. Where like they'll you know somebody be convicted of some horrific crime based off of eyewitness testimony only. Yeah. You know, and say like the event happened years before, whatever, and then like these people like rot in jail for decades and then only to have the dna evidence come out 20 years later um 30 years later whatever it is uh and exonerate them and mm-hmm. you'd be like oh so what happened to that fucking eyewitness testimony you'd be like it was bullshit yeah <laughs> and they're like a lot of the case they're like our memories are just very squishy but they're very biased like our memory like we have something like that's you know uh, uh, what we think is the memory and our brain fills in a lot of the yeah and each time each time you remember it, it gets a little glueier and you know yeah so it's an interesting thing i know it also <laughs> so it could well i mean it could have been you know yeah it may, i could have been at that gig it, you know. it, may, it may well have been uh, and the, the other thing as well is um <laughs> you when you when you retell a story you often embellish it or change it slightly every time totally. you retell it that that's the other thing so it's kind of crazy. You're also reforming it and ruining it even more absolutely absolutely <laughs> i mean what that's we, why we need that's why everything needs to be recorded absolutely the, the camera doesn't lie neither does the mic right but there we go <laughs> but but then then with ai mm. you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. just train the model of your face. Yeah, and train your voice, and clear. I mean, I've got a vi- I've got a video of uh, Freddie Mercury singing "System of a Down." Yeah, it's pretty damn convincing. Pretty it, damn convincing. It's a, it's a it's a very scary prospect. I mean, I'm personally, I don't want to sit on the fence too much with things like this, but I think it's it's a tool for good, but also in the wrong hands. Like anything, it can oh. be totally like not. <laughs> uh, totally, man. I mean, and think about it like that's. That's with like consumer computers. Yeah, of course. You know, imagine you know getting a, a server farm or whatever. Like, and 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 with the tech being, you know, a year or two old. Like, imagine 
in two just two years, like three years, what's going to be possible? You'd be like, did you see? Do you watch Black Mirror? I do. Watch that that was that was kind of my my brain was going when you were saying that because it is there's a particular Black Mirror episode where I think is particularly good in the first series. Um, where essentially they have like a chip inside their brain, they can like review their images. It's got um, yeah. uh, Jodie Whittaker yeah. in it, um, and it's a brilliant yeah. episode. But like when you think of memory, that's kind of. But that would be terrifying if you could see. Oh yeah, you know, like you say, because you embellish. Oh, and these... then at the end, and then oh god, remember yeah. like they, they go into the crib and they're like, oh no, the baby's chip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw us. Yeah, oh that's, god, whoa. that that show's brutal. <laughs> but did you see the newest episode? Well, the, not newest. The first episode of the the latest season. I have. It's the, it's the murder one, isn't it? Where it's well, it's it's AI. It's the AI. Yeah. Like, um, and where they go into like artists are oh, basically like course. you. Yeah, my my so, name is Joan. Of course. Yeah, my brain yeah. just yeah clicked. Yeah, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen it. It's good. Yeah, and that was pr- crazy. And I was just like, wow, because they, they're so accurate at what they seem to predict that, um, that you're like, oh, that is that what it's gonna be? Is that you license? Mm-hmm. Your likeness, yeah. So you're a you're a, a famous, you know, you're Selma Hayek, mm-hmm. or or Christine Aguilera or somebody. You license your likeness, and then sign off on the shows of it's whether crazy. you like it or not. And they don't. You don't need to be there anymore. We don't. We don't need. It's all done in a computer. Yeah. But we're just gonna license your image, you know. So like, oh, we're gonna license your voice mm-hmm. for this record, you know? To be like, oh, Freddie Mercury's estate owns his voice and yeah you can have him you know sing on your record but he's not alive anymore it's absolutely crazy. <laughs> but it's perfect yeah You're like it's 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 actually what he would have sang we know it for a fact you know it's just it's fucking mental anyways i digress no it's, it's all good i love it i love it um so in the world in 2024 who would have thought the black mirror and the simpsons would be the two things to predict the future it's crazy. it's kind of crazy but here's a question did the symptom did the simpsons predict black mirror hmm that is a good point. I don't know. That I mean, that's maybe getting, that's getting meta. Yeah, that is getting very meta. That is getting very meta. Um, I, I wanted to uh, touch on as as we kind of as I said a, a moment ago about kind of your personal trajectory into playing music. So I think it's really interesting uh, to see where people kind of come from because I'm going to be really honest, right? People who don't like music or like the casual people who will stick on the radio and Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift whatever comes on and they're like, this is a good tune, and they're not like emphatically kind of like raving hating it loving it, whatever right, just the Im- right i don't trust them like <laughs> mm, yeah it's a very sh- because i'm so entrenched in it it's kind of a strange thing so i want to kind of know where does that that love affair for you start when it comes to music was mm. it friends family how did it all kind of start sure. for you? yeah uh, i think that's a great quite uh, great point and it is weird too i had a buddy my only friend that was like this and he would not I would be like, oh, what do you, you know, we'd drive around in his car and he's got the radio on. I was yeah, like, sure. And it, even in in late 1990s, it, it was still, I mean, some people would do radio, but like everybody had CDs. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what, you know, you're looking for the CDs in his car and you're like, where the fuck, what do you have to listen to? He's like, I don't care. I just listen to the radio. And I was like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's know? so like, Really? Yeah. <laughs> You don't care, and he just like he just never cared about never. I don't think he's ever bought a single thing in his. I think he'd listen to like a song I knew he liked was Mambo Number Five, and that's when I knew that he was a robot. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, so for me, like a little bit of family, obviously, like parents were. My dad was a hi-fi guy, hi-fi stereo guy. Used to have a hi-fi store, actually. Amazing. Um, so growing up, um, 
Stevie Nicks was the first thing I really jammed out to. Oh, I think wow. I was two years old, my mom said, and I just had these big headphones and I would just just jam out on repeat, stand back. Um, so growing up, you know, parents were always listening to music. Um, my mom loved Led Zeppelin. Um, dad was into Zeppelin a little bit, but he was more like, you know, Phil Collins, Genesis, yeah, for sure. um, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, um, but when it became my own, though, is shit, man. I think I got a, the first CD I ever bought was Whitney Houston. Amazing. Uh, well, it was it was the Bodyguard soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Whitney Houston. Um, and then I got the soundtrack to The Little Mermaid. I don't know what the fuck. Um, but I remember those being some of the first two CDs I bought at Musicland. And then, like, even before then, I think I bought Crisscross on tape. Mm-hmm. Totally crossed out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but my cousins were a big influence on me, and they and they got me into. This was right in early 1990s, and um, they got me into Guns N' Roses. You know, Use Your Illusion too. Like, check yeah. this song out. Get in the ring. And I was like, just mind blown. And then it was like, you know, Nirvana was happening, um, and we did. And then you know, we found Metallica, which was just kind of paramount, mm-hmm. and Metallica to Pantera. And um, and then it was those kind of three bands, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, and Pantera, um, as far as the impetus to wanting to be a touring musician, um, watching those home videos, a year and a half in the life of for Metallica and Cliff them all. And um, uh, the GNR videos, I think I can't remember the fucking name of them, but they're like the Use Your Illusion live st- box set, you know, where sure. they were like in Tokyo or something. And then... Um, and then the Pantera videos are what really cemented the deal as yep. far as like just the insanity of just lighting fireworks at each other in bed and microwaving each other's sunglasses and just fucking trashing hotel rooms and just generally having the most fun that you could possibly have all the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, pl- while playing awesome heavy music. Yeah. So that's really what kind of, you know, started my love affair with, with uh, you know, I guess desiring to be a musician, you know? Absolutely. And was it, um, were you kind of initially gravitated towards playing the bass or was it not your first instrument? How did that kind of come about? So, um, love guitar. Mm -hmm. I remember a couple times, I remember specifically, okay, so I was driving around. I remember driving with my grandpa one time, my papa on my, on my mom's side. And (laughs) he was such a good sport, old school, you know, World War II vet, very proper uh, owned a car dealership and and uh, we we're like, Grand, Grand, Papa, listen to this song. We put one from Metallica on. <laughs> you know, Amazing. we're like, it's about the war, Pop. It's about war, Papa. And yeah. uh, <laughs> but I remember that. Yeah. And that I'd be like, I want to make that sound. How does that? Sound? You know. Mm-hmm. And then, but there was another one actually, which was Pearl Jam, Jeremy going, gonna go, and I thought that was guitar. But yeah. I didn't. I didn't find out till later that that was twelve string bass. But so I got it. So anyways, that my dad got me a guitar. I played it. You know, I learned. I taught myself. Um, not very particularly good. You know, I could riff, but not really shred. And um, and so I was like, I'm gonna play guitar and sing. When I finally started a band in 2000, besides the high school ones, which mm-hmm. you know whatever. But when I finally got serious and started a band called Ain Matter with my drummer Greg Williams and my my buddy um, Brendan Burke, um, we uh could never find a bass player for sure just couldn't find one they don't exist you know like there's uh, they're so f- far and few between because everybody wants to play the cool instruments you want to be a singer you want to be a drummer you want to be a guitarist um and then i heard 
um, LD50 from Mudvayne. Yeah. And I grew up on Claypool, loved Primus. Mm-hmm. I love Flea, you know. I love Cliff Burton, Jason Newstead, uh, etc. But um, it wasn't until I heard Ryan Martini play on that record that the roles were reversed. He was he was the melody. Yeah. And the and Greg was the more the rhythm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um in a lot of parts, you know, they really had reverse roles and I heard what the bass could do. Um as far as being like the central motif or being a lead sort of voice and and actually communicating a musical idea besides holding the foundation down. Yeah. Um and that and it was like literally by the time we finished that record, we did it all in one listen, <clears throat> just like baked as shit driving around in the car we showed up someplace there was still like 20 30 minutes of the record left and we're like we get we got to finish this and i remember finishing it and being like i'm switching to bass yeah for sure that's it yeah i love that and that's the thing as well i think the the bass players are obviously an integral part of any band but they are the unsung hero of a lot of bands you know i mean there is there is some absolutely fantastic um bass players throughout history and i think like so in fact during lockdown i think like a lot of people they kind of wanted to start a new hobby and i picked up a bass uh guitar oh, off, nice. off um facebook marketplace you say nice and i'm not gonna disappoint you because i played it maybe three or four times and it's, Damn it. It, it, it i wanted to i just about so this isn't a, an ad or whatever but there's a there's an app called uh you musician i don't know if you're aware of it uh, essentially musician like, musician exactly and you yep, basically play it. along to like i just about managed the really simple tabified version of um white stripes um doom oh down 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 yeah and that mm-hmm, I, yep. once i've done that i was like ah, oh, i'm that that's cool like i'm happy good now. like so, good. yeah I, I gave it a shot because it's uh, <laughs> you're, you're as accomplished as the average bass player <laughs> <laughs> for from you sir i shall take that <laughs> i love that's it great. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome man i i wanted to kind of uh to touch on as well is um i kind of if we can kind of do like a bit of a trajectory of of, of where we are to where we are now because you joined the band and the second sorry the third record uh demonocracy uh, was released in 2011 which in my opinion is probably the peak of the band's power because it came off the back of the second one which is in that time deathcore and kind of death metal and all that kind of whatever subgenre you want to throw at it was kind of sure. at its absolute pinnacle and i only say that because i was probably the right age so whether sure. it's kind of my age at the time being like this is the most exciting thing ever and the rest of the world going what the fuck is this <laughs> do you know what i mean right like i wanted to ask what was it kind of like joining the band how did you join the band and, and what's it like being in a band for, for this long and um the success sure. that comes with that i guess um, so my very first thing that I did with the band, uh, and this was before, uh, touring of any kind, you know, and this was a really unique way to join a band, sure. um, was actually a, to record an EP. Yeah. We put out an EP called gloom. Yes. Um, of course. Yeah, yeah. and, and that was the very first thing that I did. So I just like showed up in Boston. I just, yeah. you know, got me a ticket. I flew in and, uh, we had jammed through one of the songs. I think it was called Signature of Starving Power. And uh, we jammed that through like one time and I played one or two other songs with them, I think. And um, and we f- and then we flew right down to Bo- uh, to uh, uh, Florida to record yeah. with Jason Sukoff. Amazing. Um, actually, we fucking drove down. Excuse me. That was a long <laughs> drive. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so it was interesting to go into a band. Normally you join a 
you join a band, you try out or whatever. You you go play some tour, uh, some shows. Maybe you do some tours. Oh, this is a good fit. Cool. Let's do the record. Um, but it was kind of inverted with that. They were like, we've got this recording we got to do first, and then we've got a tour with, um, it was with Between the Berry to Me. Amazing. And it just so happened to work out that I was able to get on my very first Job for a Cowboy tour, which was Between the Berry to Me, Job for a Cowboy. Uh, the openers were Ocean, but then right before JFAC, I got my band, Cephalic Carnage, on the bill. Amazing. So we were able to do, uh, I did double duty back to back, which was really fun. Cool way to like intro into a band, you know, is to like be like, yeah, here's, you know. So um, it's been a really cool ride. It was sh- kind of fast and short to getting to Sun Eater, you know. I mean, uh, 2011 to 2013. 2013 is when we did Sun Eater. Yeah. It was Mayhem and 2013. And actually, we finished it in, like, January 2014. Um, so it was, you know, a little over two and a half years before we broke up. Yeah, sure. Didn't actually break up, though. Just no. yeah. a, a sort of like a forced hiatus because – Johnny had a kid and was basically like, like, I'm, you know, I'm doing the dad thing, man. I'm not going to go out and, and tour because we hit it pretty freaking relentlessly. You know, we were in Russia driving all over the place and, and, um, Europe and, uh, Mexico, the States, Canada, et cetera. Like we were hitting it really hard. Um, so it's been kind of interesting then getting to, you know, cause putting out Sun Eater, which up, up until, you know, this Moon Healer, and we'll see how, how time sits with it. But, you know, Sun Eater is one of my favorite things I've ever done sure. musically. Um, I just, I got the bass tone that I wanted mm-hmm. for the very first time. And I got it at loud in mm-hmm. the mix for yeah, the very yeah. first time to where, like, you're not like, oh, check out all this work I put into these lines. Mm-hmm. And then you got to, like, dig yep. to hear them. You know what I mean? We're like, mm-hmm. oh, I think, I, where's the bass at? Oh, okay, I found it. Now I have to hold on to it if I want to hear what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like nope, it's fucking right here. Mm-hmm. You spent, you know, and so, um, and then to to have that come out and then go, mm-hmm. oh, we're not gonna fucking tour at all for this. Yeah, like, damn, you know, I did all the press because Johnny was like, I'm my, you know, wife's pregnant. Of course, yeah. just tapped out. So, um, so that was kind of a an interesting thing, kind of a big letdown. Uh, in a ways where, but, but okay. Cause you're like, Hey, do what you want to do. You know what I mean? It's, it's life. And, and then, so now, um, to slowly have this, this re introduction, this build back up, um, towards this record, you know, which like we had some of these songs that go back to 2016. Yeah. So we've, even though like, it le- seems like the band was gone for 10 years and then we just come back with a record. Yeah. It's like, nah, we were really, it was like maybe, I would say from 14 to it was like four years really of hiatus and then like six years of like work, Mm -hmm. you know, of like crafting now, not like in the same room together. Everything was done via the Internet, Um, but we've been busting our asses making this record for, for, you know, at least six, if not like eight years, if you include how, how old some of these songs go back to. Absolutely, yeah. And you you mentioned uh, about the on the on the previous one, Sunny to the uh, the bass being really prominent in the mix. Uh, I think this is uh, again. I think um, Jason uh, Su- is it Sukov? I'm going to print Sukov. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, has absolutely smashed it again on on the production front because you know obviously there's riffs galore over here, and uh, obviously Johnny's vocals is is as strong as ever. And then like. I think it's about midway through like the first song, all this kind of stuff. Going, I'm like, oh, all this bass, I can, I can hear that, like, and it's really hey. nice. To, and I don't want to, because um, I think labels and genres are so kind of uh, defunct sure. these days. But 
for like heavier band you know in quote death metal band whatever it can be kind of the production sounds like a modern 2024 production that doesn't sound like it's recorded in a biscuit tin which you know might <laughs> anger some fans but fine if you want that that stuff still exists but it's sure. really really clean but also it packs such a punch and there is so much kind of cool stuff going on it and i wanted to kind of ask how important is jason to the band for you guys and how important is kind of a producer's role because again i've never made a record but what i can say sure. is if someone got their hands on what i do here and go i think you should change this i think you should change that and you know that is their role to kind of help mold the overall sound and production and how it goes but right. I don't know whether I'm just a bit of a control freak, mate, to be honest with you. No, I don't like people all. touching my things. But how do yeah. you kind of find that process? Um, I think it's a trust thing that you get that you get to mm-hmm. um, where, you know, at first, you know, I'm, I'm coming in for gloom and I'm kind of like, you know, this guy, you know, a lot of times as a bass player, especially, you know, somebody trying to be more prominent in the mix and, and say more than your average um foundational bass player especially in metal for sure you kind of have this like oh this guy's gonna stifle mm-hmm. my my voice you know yeah. as all producers do in metal um the perception is that you come in there and then that's gonna happen and um and jason just like kind of you know won me over from the start with uh i mean he's a fucking maniac first <laughs> off like he's like certifiably crazy yeah for sure. and then um and yeah we would just like uh, but he's he was so impressive on his instrumentation. He's such an amazing musician mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, instantly. It's like if a if if somebody if you go in to work with a producer and they're like, hey man, I I don't think you, should, you know that's a little too this or that's a little too that or I'm not really sure about that riff. Um, and they don't play an instrument. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, uh, I know I think it's good. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when they're like really sick. Mm-hmm. When they're like, you know, way, like a better musician than you, mm. you just tend to, you just be like, you're way more open towards that, like that uh, opinion or to, or to trying something different, you know? Um, and so he is just so great that his ear is so magical. He's got such a unique ear uh, for harmony and for melody. Um, I don't think, like I've, I've been saying in a couple of interviews, I don't think he's a huge uh, theory buff in that he's like no what we're gonna do what you're, you're doing the flat 13 there you need to what you got to do you know mm-hmm. it's just he'll just be like not that note mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah one a ha- half step down yeah yeah that and then you're like whoa that's yeah. really weird and really cool so in that aspect he you know it's it's the old cliche that he's he's a a sixth member of the band because um you know we, we're really really love having him as to be able to bounce ideas off of and to have that trust that you know especially now after like this being the third thing that i've done with him that like uh we know that we're going to come up with really cool shit together you know i mean he's 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 a massive part of the baselines on all the stuff i've ever written with jfac um he's he's a huge influence into how those baselines come out the way that they do I love that. I love that. And also we kind of, we talked about um, the fact that, you know, um, the peak of the powers again, when I was a teenager and it's very, um, it's a very kind of uh, self-reflecting kind of thing. Cause again, you are, you are your own center of your own universe and how you perceive the world is from your own perspective. So I kind of True. wanted to ask in 2024, it's kind of, I've tried uh, in the last few years to take myself out of 
kind of the world in which I live and look at it from a kind of outward perspective. Heavy music has had a massive resurgence in, in recent years from everything from, from bands like Lorna Shaw to all the way like to um, the upcoming, as someone described it to me, the new wave of uh, death, death metal and things like that and all the different sure. kind of things that come with that. I kind of wanted to ask, um, it's really, really cool. Is there a new generation of fans coming to, to the shows? And do you see like kind of older people who've been there from the beginning, newer people, people with kids? How, how does that kind of change the demographic of a show for you guys? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've, I've seen like uh, in almost all the little different genres that I play in. So it, and there's the prog scene, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, I think really kind of the gent thing, you know, and kind of the animals as leaders as uh, kind of, really spearheaded a giant like um you know polyphia and yeah. and all this kind of like you know high level musicianship high level prog stuff that the, the, you know the kids were into that and um and then you've got like the thrash scene that i that i play with with havoc yeah and like there's kids that look like they're from the fucking 80s mm-hmm. at these shows and i think a lot of it's the parents you know yeah. it's got to be uh, or fr- you know so your your parents were huge metallica fans and you know your dad still wears a fucking battle vest, you know? And so he shows, you know, he, he gets this kid into it and then this kid's cool. And then his friends get into it and then they all, you know, look like they're from the eighties and stuff. So I, I think like the parents passing on to the next generation is a massive part of, of keeping, um, of this like kind of modern resurgence of, of, um, extreme music. Uh, and then I think that, um, the internet plays a huge part in it too because it really makes a niche for it. I mean, you can get into just 80s bands. Yeah. And there's kids that like don't, are, you know, they're they're little like elitists, mm-hmm. you know, that are like, you know, there's 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 like 15-year-old gatekeepers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's kind of interesting to see um what the internet has done and it's interesting being in 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 the band that for all intents and purposes really spearheaded um you know, having technology be available to you for the first time to be able to connect who used to what you used to have to do is is grind your way through the local scene and work your way up to regionally and then, you know, maybe nationally and then internationally. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, what, what there used to be was like MTV and, and you know, Headbangers Ball and, and, and radio, terrestrial radio before Sirius even came out. Yeah. So when myspace happened like jfac was the first band that i experienced from an external perspective that used that medium to to blow up yeah you know and and get and get way way bigger than anybody ever thought could be possible because using that medium and so i think that now that world exists in like and there's something for everybody now as a result of, you know, the positive side of the technology, like we were talking about with the, um, you know, even the AI stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and the, um, pr- you know, I remember even going into the whole like program drums scare, you know, sure. of like when Meshuggah started using program drums, I think it was on I or nothing. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, shit, they're going to replace real drummers, you know. And then it was like, well, but it really just became more of a writing tool and used for the positive. And sure there's bands that, 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 you know, still don't record live drums on their records because the technology just sets it up that it's easier to get a better tone for them and more cost effective to do it that way. Um, I mean, there's bass out for that now, you know, there's, there's something called, 
uh, Shins bass mm-hmm. that's out that you can basically like make your own bass track and it's all like it sounds for like 90 something percent like real bass yeah um and so um i think that it's kind of just one of those things where you know hopefully humanity like the essence of being human still matters and i think that maybe despite metal's quantization of the drums Mm -hmm. and you know if there are clean vocals they're 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 pitch corrected and everything's on the grid and and very rigid and stuff but i still think that there's an element of um uh realness of like a real human real raw human expression that exists and and i think that maybe because there's so much that kind of pop thing that's always been there, the kind of homogenized, just, you know, I just turn on the radio and that's a good tune. Mm-hmm. Um, be, it's still kind of an antithesis to that, you know? Um, and I think maybe that's why there's such a, a strong uh, presence of extreme music getting more and more popular is because people are rejecting that sort of, here's your spoon-fed yep. algorithm-created perfect you know catchy pop song yeah you know absolutely that's the thing as well i think um you know and i and i totally uh, can appreciate the the point from from a band's perspective or, or an artist's perspective of saying that you know the streaming services are not great for the way they pay and things like that but it is a it is a fantastic tool for the listener because you can when we're back when i was uh back when i was a teen and things you'd have to pick your lane right and you had to stay in your lane and the fact that the first album i ever bought or the first cd i ever bought or like single was um was um oh what the bloody hell's his name it's the first um slim shady record i can't think of the fucking songs oh yeah the slim, uh, slim um, shady lp yeah right? uh, what's the song I'm thinking of though um oh my god my brain's just gone um because i'm the anyway oh yeah yeah that's done my brain's literally just melted anyway doesn't matter um, like I listened yeah. to that and that was the first thing and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And then I discovered Green Day and it was kind of like, oh, but I now have to pick. But nowadays right. it's like, oh, but I can listen to kind of everything. And although sure. it takes away some of the value of the product it, that you're trying to to make and the art that you're trying to make, it does kind of give you that unlimited uh, options and, and things have gone like, okay, I've never listened to Beethoven, but I'm going to today. It might not be for me, but I'm going to give it a... I never just really yeah. checked out jazz. I'm gonna check out jazz, you know. And you go down these different avenues, and I think the kind of the gatekeeperiness of people is just it's just like shutting yourself off from things you might enjoy. It might not enjoy sure. it, and that's fine. Just click off it. Don't leave a hate comment. Right. Don't go on X, formerly Twitter, or whatever, and send the band DMs. Just focus on. Do you know what I mean? It, it, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. But um, I think it's really cool. So I kind of wanted to ask. When you guys are on on the bus and things, and when you're driving, is there a kind of a, a playlist culture with you guys? Are you listening to music? Yeah. Do you listen to music at home? Like, what is kind of because oh, yeah. if you're yeah. entrenched in it, maybe sure. not so much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, with Cephalic, when I first joined, and this this kind of rings true across most of the bands that I've joined, um, but definitely with Cephalic, and I think with JFAC, we were pretty strong on it too. But um, no distortion. Yeah, for sure. That was that was kind of the rules, like, you know, basically we get, you know, heavy music all day long on tour. Yeah. So we don't need it in the van at, no. or in the bus uh, afterwards. Um, so that was kind of the thing. It's like, you know, the kind of darkest hour really instilled this sort of like party 
music vibe into me on tour yeah. anyways for like listening as a group you know like mm-hmm. put some put something on that you know throw a party mm-hmm. you know so it'd be yeah. like toto hold the line and you know um you know uh the outfield with your love or um you know but i mean you could work your way into acdc and have a good time to yeah, still as well but um for me personally then what i listen to on the road though um is again like the uh, antithetical to metal. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to stuff like um, the Cinematic Orchestra, mm-hmm. and um, that 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 record every day is probably my most listened to record of all time. I would say. Yeah. Um, it's just so it's such a nice contrast to all of the hustle bustle load in, uh, the other stress and and you know just loudness of of being on tour. Yeah. Um, it was just it's it was such like a, a balm to put on you know so that like zero seven when the fall and um bonobo uh i think it was migrations is um record i love of his so that type of stuff and then i've really found myself going back to stuff that i grew up with mm-hmm. listening uh in the car with my parents and stuff so you know uh, sting and the police and and genesis phil collins peter gabriel steve winwood um fleetwood mac steely dan uh shit like that you know like that that sort of 80s contemporary 70s 80s contemporary stuff i found um just very genuine uh in contrast to all of the quantization and and perfection that exists in modern records you know and that that's the thing as well i think and i i'm sure i correct me if you think i'm wrong but i think with your band with the way that how technical you are and things like that and, and the precision that you play i think other kind of less technically you know if you're just a standard run-of-the-mill rock band metal band whatever right if you listen to kind of that music whilst you're in that band i think subconsciously like you might it might seep into you because that's what you're listening to right so i made this joke uh, i interviewed a band called tenside they're they're a fantastic band and i said um have you ever gone to like practice right and you've gone dun 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 and it's like oh it's a great riff i was like i think i've heard it before like do you know what i mean it's kind of one of those if you constantly listen to this like you know the heavy or the, the um that kind of alternative style music or whatever it's kind of like it seeps into your consciousness then you like you start noodling around the guitar it's like, guys i find this sick riff and it turns out it's just right. like acdc or whatever like do you know what I mean? yeah uh-huh yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's a pretty crazy thing <laughs> Um, and the thing is, so you've been in the band for a long time. You've been in other bands as well, lots of other projects. So I'm hoping, I'm banking on you, Nick, to give me a fantastic answer to this, right? So where sure. is the weirdest or the strangest place you've ever played a show? Now, it doesn't have to be a negative connotation of we sure. played to a man and his dog and it was rubbish. It can just be a situation that you found yourself in where you've looked around at your bandmates and gone, well, who who the fuck has booked this then? Or why are we here? Why are we on this bill? And we've had some brilliant answers in the past. People have said like we've played it like there was uh, I don't know if you how aware you are of, of a uh, institution in the UK called Urban Outfitters, which is essentially yeah. just like a clothes shop, right? Someone oh yeah, we played, have it here. Played played there just like randomly at pizza parlors. Like um, oh wow. For like someone said to me, I can't remember which band it was, like some sort of like weird German sex dungeon thing, like. Yeah, oh, so wow, you've kind that's of crazy. You've kind of looked around at your bandmates and gone, "This is cool. We're playing a show, but what the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, it's so funny when you're like, like memory recall as we're talking about. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying to like yeah, yeah. To, pull, to peel stuff up, like you know, there's Gramps and uh, 
uh, Southern Florida, which is in, in, you know, in Miami. And it's like this tiki bar outside looks like something out of Scarface, Amazing. Uh, like a Scarface nightclub um, that we just did with Havoc. But I will say probably my favorite weird thing we ever did was this, this, I, I mean, I guess it was a, a basement of some like abandoned something or another. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was in Denmark and our show had gotten canceled. Right. For sure. At, a, at, a, at the nice venue for some reason. And so we just did, this was MySpace days. And so we just tossed up a, Hey, we're in town. We would love to play. Yeah. Um, can somebody figure something out? And these kids just put together this show in this like abandoned weird ass basement. And there was like this noise band that opened up with all like, dude just had a bunch of chains amazing and microphones and shit but like the energy of that show probably 85 kids but in an appropriately sized thing yeah. so it was packed yeah, yeah, yeah and um and that was probably one of the most like intense energy shows i've ever played mm-hmm. like just fucking electric you know and super sweaty um also that reminds me of another show in in, in Swit- switzerland there's this like venue that's kind of in a cave mm-hmm. um and like you climb in through this weird little thing, and I don't even know how the hell they get all the damn gear in there, but that was super cool too. Uh, and I remember that we had the carcass guy doing lights for us. They had great lights in this weird little cave, but that was super cool. And then um, I'd say it's more on the cover band side of things that I used to have a cover band. That's where yeah. you get into the really weird, like <laughs> you know, what, what the fuck are we doing here type of a thing. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of final questions for you, Nick, and I'm so, so grateful for your time today. Um, sure, man. And one of the questions is a question I've asked every single artist in 2023. And I'll be honest, I was going to sack it off in 2024. And then my my lovely wife-to-be was like, absolutely not. It's too good not to. So I was like, right, okay, fine. We're going to do it, right? So sure. bear with me. Indulge me if you can for a second. So sure. when Spotify or Amazon or any of these big uh, corporate companies that host podcasts – uh, buy this podcast off me. They buy all the rights, everything else. I'm going to basically ditch podcasting altogether because I'm going to have loads of lovely Spotify money or Amazon money. I'm not picky about the brand, but sure. essentially I'm going to loads of money, right? Now, most normal people would reinvest it back in the brand and blah, blah, blah. No, fuck that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have a massive festival, right? And yes. John for Cowboy are invited, along with Havoc as well, because cool. you can do double duties. Fuck it, why not? Sure. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so you guys are invited, along with all the the artists that have been on the podcast. It's going to be about a week long at this point. Um, it's going to have it in a massive, massive field. Now, what I would like to know is what you would like to add to the dream rider of this festival. Now, you can have something that is communal for everyone to use, or you can have something personal for yourself or for the band. But there's two main points. Firstly, there is no financial limitations. You could have okay. whatever you want. And also, there's no, like, structural limitations. There's no, like, limitations of any kind. So you could have literally whatever your heart desires. I'll give you a couple of uh, good ones off the top of my dome, which I always go to. Uh, I had um, the lovely Josh from Cattle Decapitation come on the podcast a yep. couple of years ago and said to me, I want a laundry service, which I was like, you're <laughs> going to be everybody's fucking best friend. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we've had people – so Matt from August Burns Red said to me, I want a full monster truck rally set up. And I thought you can't get more American if you tried, but I love it. We've had <laughs> people say like masseuses. We've had puppies. We've had like really, really weirdly specific things like um, bottles of red wine that are only brewed like every six like months or whatever. Not brewed, you didn't brew sure. wine, but you know what I mean? Like six yeah. months in the south of France, whatever. What would you like to add to the rider? 
Uh, I would put like uh, ketamine therapy. I thought you were just going to say ketamine then. <laughs> I was just like, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, ketamine, ketamine therapy, sure. you know, like uh, intravenous ketamine therapy mm-hmm. available back with it with a, uh, you know, a licensed clinical psychotherapist slash shaman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just get to fucking nice, nice blast off, head to the other side of the universe and cruise back. Uh, and, is uh, that is that have a nice pre- soft landing? Is that pre or post show? That's the question. Uh, I think it'd probably be post show. Yeah, post show. <laughs> just, just imagine <laughs> you guys are. That would be that would be sick. Um, yeah, um, that that is that is pretty wicked. I've never had that one before. I have had, um, and I'm so loath to keep bringing it up because their PR are gonna kick my fucking ass. But the lovely um, Adam from a bank called Polar just said to me, "Am I allowed weed on the ride?" I'm like, "Yeah, you can fucking weed on the ride. Don't worry about it. Like, it's fine." Of course. Like he was just like, "Am I like?" He's such a lovely dude. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Nick, I've got one final question for you, mate. It's a question sure. I've asked every single artist who's been gracious enough to give me their time on this show. It's a question that is very simple, but it's personable to the person I'm asking. And that is very sure. simple. It is, what is the best thing about being in a band for you personally? I would say, um, you know, fulfilling your dharma, you know? Um, yeah. It's like you're doing something for yourself with friends uh and bringing something into the world that doesn't exist before and hopefully hopefully you know expressing something that's picked up and um magnified by the audience and given back to you this sort of circular communal element of things but just like uh yeah you know the the ultimate side of of fulfillment you know doing something that you want to do while you're here on this planet you know instead of like Oh, I have to go to work. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I get to go play shows. Absolutely. I get to, you know, it's it's a gift. Absolutely, and I think I think that kind of rolls around perfect as to what we were talking about earlier. In the sense of, if you, I, I like to make this point: if you're putting something positive into the world, if that be art, whether that be love, whether that be whatever, and it comes from a positive place, that's only a good thing because the the exactly. world needs more of that. In my opinion, I agree. Um, is it anything, I totally agree, man. Is there anything that we need to talk about? Anything we need to plug at the end of the podcast? Obviously, the Moon Healer will be out now. It's on the 23rd of February. If somehow sure. you manage to listen to this podcast ahead of time, which would be weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, essentially, it's yeah, fantastic. I, more more touring and things ahead. What, what's what's going yeah. on in that respect? Hopefully, we get some some uh, shows happening this year. There might be one confirmed. I can't quite say uh, yet course, for 100. Yeah, sure. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to follow me on socials or whatever, I've got at Nick Shins and I C K S H I N Z. That's pretty much on all of them: uh, uh, Insta, Facebook, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, YouTube, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, I'll be looking at doing some. Uh, I got some cool stuff coming out like the next week after the record. Um, for for anybody that does like audio production, I've got a cool thing uh, coming out. Uh, so keep your ear eyes and ears peeled for that but mostly i just want to say thank you so much to you for having us on here matt i appreciate it and um and to all the fans that waited 10 years and are still interested and give a shit that we we are doing something we made this record for us but we hope you love it as well so thank you very much absolutely mate it's been a fucking pleasure and an honor my friend thank you so much cheers i will catch you on the road very very soon thank you very much thank you dude spin the live my poly podcast with the fucking excellent nick of a job for a motherfucking cowboy let's go <laughs> thanks, thanks doc. take care man have a great day see you later right, cheers hey.